new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Here we go. Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me is Kip Adams, also of Dogs 24-7. And uh, we got a uh, we got a pretty full show for you. We, we're going to hit on a, a, a few different topics. Um, and uh, Kip and I are going to bounce them off each other while Rusty is out on the road. And uh, Georgia, two practices in the spring. Um, he Kirby Smart met with reporters to talk about Georgia spring practice uh, for the first time since it started on, on Thursday night. And uh, we want to go over a few of his comments and, and kind of opine, I guess, a little bit there. And then we're going to talk about Pro Day. Uh, we got th- we got a few different topics to talk about from Smart's meeting with the media. And then we're going to talk about Pro Day, the winners from Pro Day. Um, uh, maybe a little bit of talk about Richard LeCount there and, and the fact that he's clearly not healthy at this point if you watch Georgia Pro Day. Uh, but, Kip, let's jump headfirst into what everybody wants to talk about. Everybody wants to talk about that Georgia offense. Kirby Smart said again, he, he already said that the offense was ahead of pace and the walkthroughs and everything. Well, two practices in the spring, he says the offense is light years ahead of where it was this time last year. I think we agree on this. What else did people expect him to say? Not, not, we're not saying that he's saying it out of obligation or because he's trying to put on a front, but this was the reality, and it was going to be, be the reality come hell or high water. What say you? Uh, this is exactly what we've projected on the pod for several weeks now. You just look at the offense – and it's not something that Kirby Smart's program has been known for. I mean, they've been inside the top 20 in total defense every year. I think the worst year was his first year. They were 16th. I mean, they've been inside the top 10 twice. But you're replacing a lot of players, especially in that secondary. And so when you have a, a experienced quarterback returning, over 90% of your production at wide receiver and running back then you're you're naturally going to be ahead when practice starts because you have one unit that's already should be running at it as a fairly fine-tuned uh, machine at this point, and the other one that's probably going to have some deer in the headlights. I mean, Georgia's got some experience, you know, at each level of the defense, but they have a lot of young players that are stepping into bigger roles on the defensive side of, of the football. And so, I mean, normally the defense usually does have a leg up, but – this was the year we said that Georgia's offense was going to be what, you know, gives them a chance to return to the college football playoffs. So I don't think anyone should be surprised by Kirby Smart's comments. But, you know, at the same time, Kirby knows what to say. You know, when he gets his time with the me- media, he knows how to not necessarily play the media, but he knows how to play up, you know, and motivate his own team and certain players to, to step up when he needs them to. He's always done that. And so I think, you know, he's going to take this opportunity to say, you know, the offense is light years ahead. I, I need these defensive guys that have been highly 
touted, you know, high recruits coming out of high school. I need them to live up to their billing. So I think at the same time, he's given them plenty of bulletin board material that it's time for them to step up into, into big roles, leadership roles, and, and take charge of a defense that should have a lot of pride. Like I said, that's been the side of this program that's played at an elite level basically every year with I think only one year of the offense being inside the top 20 in the country. So if it's shaping up for the offense to be what carries his team, then Kirby's going to push that defense as much as possible for them to not be a liability this fall. Yeah, you know, I, I think there is some motivation there behind it. Uh, there's nothing – you don't hurt yourself there by – I mean, not necessarily calling the defense out. Maybe you're challenging them a little bit. But, but I think you have to unpack a couple things, add a little context here. Georgia's had two helmet-only practices. That's what the NCAA mandates is an acclimation period. They, they don't let them run out there and start practicing in pads right away. Uh, they don't put the pads on until, you know, tomorrow, Saturday. So that'll be their first practice in helmets and shoulder pads. They'll do some striking. They'll get real physical with that one. But, you know, when, when you look at, okay, well, we're just out there running around helmets only – the, the function, the operation of the offense is going to be ahead of the defense just because, especially when you're comparing it to last year, um, which was what Smart was really doing whenever he was talking about being light years ahead. You know, compare it to last year, um, no spring practice. Todd Munkin had been on the job for six weeks, maybe seven. Matt Luke had helped the team during the Sugar Bowl, but that was about it, a new offensive line coach, replacing – Three, four starters on the offensive line. I mean, you know, Georgia basically had six starters on the offensive line the year before with Cade Mays and and Ben Cleveland working there, you know, right guard and, and injuries and the way the starts ended up. If, if you started over half the season, you were considered a starter, and Ben Cleveland started seven games. So he was a returning starter, but, you know, Isaiah Wilson and, and, and uh, uh, Solomon Kinley and Andrew Thomas and Cade Mays were no longer around. So you were starting over there. Completely new backfield because Brian Harrion and, and Deion Andre Swift weren't around. George Pickens was your George Pickens was your only proven wide receiver coming back because the Dominic Blaylock was hurt. Maybe you could throw in Demetrius Robertson as well, but there were a lot of young guys stepping up at receiver, and the quarterback situation was brand new. So you, you look this year, the quarterback position is is for the most part settled. Todd Munkin's in his second year. Matt Luke's in his second year. You've got three returning starters on the offensive line. You've got 100% of your running back production coming back, and you've got uh, – you know, most like you you pointed out, over ninety percent of your receiving production coming back. So yeah, th this was a, I mean, as close to a given. There are no givens in this sport, but as close to a given as you could possibly see. You know, and and I look at it like this too. I, would it have been the end of the world if you if you went through this spring or got into this spring, and and Georgia's offense wasn't ahead of the defense or Kirby Smart wasn't saying that. No, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. I mean, there's still, still so much work left to be done before Georgia kicks off against Clemson in, in that game in Charlotte to start the season September 3rd, I guess it is, or something like that. But, um, I, yes, no, September 4th. Um, but this is what should have been expected. This is a good sign. The, I mean, you just 
keep going through the positives, okay? And and not only that, but then in the big picture, offenses are supposed to be ahead of defenses now in general because that's what the championship teams have done the, this past few years. We can get into the whole – it doesn't matter if you run the ball anymore or anything like that. I, I think a lot of those things are way too extreme, and and uh, and and maybe we'll get to some of that when we talk about uh, a guy on the defensive side uh, here in just a second. But uh, this is – it's a good thing. It's an expected thing. And it's a thing that could change a little bit. The dynamic could shift a little bit, Kip, if you think about it, when the pads come on, right? You know, I, I would I would hope so. I mean, the, there are a lot of these guys, that's when they shine. I mean, we're, we're out there, if we're doing glorified seven-on-seven seven right now, I mean, JT's got the leg up on, uh, on that right off the bat. I mean, he's not going to really have guys – you know, in his face at all. I know that obviously the quarterbacks aren't getting, you know, hit in spring ball for Georgia, but at the same time, once those pads are put on, it's a whole different ball game. And we watch, you know, I've been to enough prospect camps to know that whenever they're, you know, they're in t-shirts and shorts and, and the linemen are going at it, it, it's just, it's not the same. And so a lot of these guys, when the pads go on, the light's also going to go on. I mean, Look at Georgia's defensive line. We've talked about that, the depth, the talent they have there. That's something that hasn't really been utilized yet in spring practice. And I think that that's, you know, obviously something that's going to test Georgia's offense. You know, having to replace multiple starters on the offensive line, I think that's that's where this defense will, will kind of even things up over the next couple of weeks in practice is just being able to uh, affect JT Dangles and, and get in the backfield and, and throw them some different looks and, I mean that's another thing that Georgia's defense does really well. I mean they 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 line their guys up in different formations to confuse the quarterback and with the guys that they have coming back like Nolan Smith, you know Adam Anderson, they're going to be able to throw all kinds of different looks at this offense. And I think we're going to have a little bit, you know, we're going to have some different quotes from the from Kirby over the next couple of weeks heading into G Day, in my opinion. Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head there when you talked about the defensive line and, and just the front seven in general. Is uh, it's going to I guess provide for a really nice segue here in just a second, but. Um, when when you're talking about the the strength of your defense is is your defensive line and your outside linebackers and even your inside linebackers, well, helmets only really really limits what those guys are able to do to affect the offense. And uh, when the pads get put on, I think the dynamic evens out a little bit. Still expect the offense to be ahead, uh, especially when you start talking about throwing the ball out in space and your defensive backs tackling and being where they're supposed to be. There are all sorts of different layers to this thing. But the ultimate point is this. Georgia's been in helmets only. The defense is strength is in the trenches, is in the front seven. The offense is clearly going to be ahead. And, and, and the offense should continue to be ahead, but not by as much as it's probably been thus far. And it's really good that you're hearing that Georgia's offense is light years ahead of last year when they didn't even have spring practice and there was so much newness. Uh, but, but one of those front seven players on the defensive side of the ball – and it, it, listen – we, we don't really get the chance to see you, you – I don't think Kip nor myself, or maybe we should hire somebody to do this full-time, to check the temperature of Twitter and Facebook and, and, and all of these different social media platforms. So we kind of just have to go off of the junkyard over at Dawes 24-7. Great place. If you want to join us up over there, come see us. Uh, but there was a, there was a dust-up. I won't say dust-up. There, there was a stir – made about this whole Adam Anderson working at star 
And if you don't know what star is, that's Georgia's technically their fifth defensive back position uh, in their defense. They use it a lot because they're in nickel a lot because teams are in three wide receivers a lot um, that they play. But Adam Anderson's getting some work at star. Kirby Smart mentions that. And there were some folks really concerned about it. Like, hey, why would you, you know, take Adam Anderson out of the pass rush? And, and hey, what's going on? Does that mean something bad for the defensive backs or whatever? No, this is standard common practice from before Kirby Smart. Todd Grantham put Leonard Floyd at star in 2013. Yeah, 13. I guess that was his last year there. Lorenzo Carter was out there running around at star against Clemson. Um, Jeremy Pruitt continued that with Leonard Floyd. Okay. Kirby Smart used uh, Lorenzo Carter at star in 2017. That season went pretty good. Okay. Lorenzo Carter was a freak athlete and, and, and really fast and really good at it. Kirby Smart's used Walter Grant out there. He's used uh, Jermaine Johnson and Newsflash, everybody. Kirby Smart's used Adam Anderson there before. I don't think and this is a big deal to begin with, but it's also spring practice where you're trying to find different combinations and you're trying to, I hate to use the word layers again, but you're trying to add layers to what you can do defensively. I, I, I don't, again, listen, I don't want to be the downplay podcast here, Kip, but I still don't see a big deal with this. What are, what are your thoughts? I don't understand why this is being questioned at all. I think that one – Georgia led the SEC in sacks per game last year. So I think that Kirby Smart knows, you know, how to dial up packages that affect the quarterback, too. <laughs> Fans wanted Adam Anderson on the field all season. It was, why can't Adam Anderson get more snaps? This is nothing but good news for Adam Anderson's snap count. You, the, 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 the outside linebacker position, you can't have it both ways. You're talking about trying to get these guys snaps and – Kirby Smart says that he's going to play, be playing at, you know, nickelback position some. That keeps him on the field. One of his most talented players, you know, a guy who, again, didn't get as many snaps last year because he was a designated pass rusher, basically. Now he has a, you know, a more versatile role. And I think you, you look at the NFL draft, Aziz is, you know, a guy that we're going to be talking about later on this podcast, but a guy that, you know, is going to be in mid to early first rounder. Uh, you mentioned Lorenzo Carter. You know, you, you, you mentioned Leonard Floyd. The position has been utilized well at Georgia. That's not an issue at all. And so I think you, you just – you can't have it both ways. He's given fans everything they want, and yet there's still kind of a – people are surprised that he might be, you know – lining up in a different position before the snap, like he doesn't have the ability, one, to blitz from that position, and two, uh, Georgia will not have any issues getting to the quarterback with the people that they have on the roster. With You know, if you want Nolan Smith to be on the field too, this is a situation where you could have both those guys on the field at the same time. And, again, I, I look at this year's draft, a guy like Micah Parsons, you know, why would you not want – to be able to showcase a player's skill set in coverage, off ball, and different looks to better, you know, give your guys a better draft stock next year, more film to be able to showcase NFL teams. I think if you watch George's Pro Day, I mean, what was like the one thing that they were talking about with Aziz Ojalari is 
you know, how can he work in space? I'm pretty sure that the NFL scouts and GMs, if, if they had those questions about Aziz, they told Kirby Smart that. And this is going to give Adam Anderson a guy who, again, we've talked about his weight for three years. If, is he going to be able to play at 235 pounds? Can he get to 240 pounds? That's exactly what you want to be able to showcase him at to better prepare him for the NFL. And so, again, I, I mentioned a guy like Micah Parsons. He only had, I believe, six and a half sacks in his college career, and he's most likely going to be a top ten pick in this draft. So, again, I don't think this – thinking about the pure sack total is, is is a very, you know, binary way of looking at the position Adam Anderson plays. And I think what Kirby Smart is doing is putting Adam Anderson in a position to make as many plays as possible for his defense and to give him as many looks as possible while preparing him for the NFL. 100%. And another thing I want to add, too, is why would anybody assume that finding an additional role for Adam Anderson to play to get him on the field more in a different capacity impact his sack numbers? He was a designated pass rusher last year basically played on third down and, and obvious passing situations, they're trying to get him on the field more, where he's going to get more snaps, more opportunities to blitz in situations that he didn't get to blitz last year. That should only help it. And and to, to kind of further go with that, you know, you, you look at an outside linebacker and, and you hear comments about Aziz Ojolari about playing in space, and then you've probably got – there's no doubt in my mind you've got fans out there saying, well, that's just not what he does. I mean, he's not going to play in space. That's not his primary job. That's not important. Listen, if an NFL team knows that it's going to average, let's say they're going to play 55 defensive snaps a game, and they know that they're going to ask an outside linebacker to drop into coverage – on the low end five to eight times per game five to eight times per game can decide a football game five to eight times per game can decide a football game and one football game can decide whether or not you get in or out of the playoffs okay whether or not you get a home game in the playoffs it's it's the little things i mean if you know you can't do this with a guy then then he has limited availability and Adam Anderson, to this point in his career, based on how Georgia has used him and based on how he's played in these situations, is a below-average run defender as an edge player. Okay, I'm not saying he's bad or awful or a liability, but he's a below-average player. Well, you look at Georgia's front seven. Georgia's going to be really good against the run. Georgia has been fantastic, elite against the run the past two years. Number two in yards per carry allowed in 2019. Number one in yards per carry allowed this past year. Okay, George is going to be great. You put a guy like Adam Anderson in there at outside linebacker and just wind him up and let him let him go, you've got a vulnerability there. Not only do you have a vulnerability there, but you've got an edge player that, okay, offenses say, well, we can attack this guy. We can load this guy at the end of the line of scrimmage. We can kick him out. We can block down, kick out. We can pull guys around. We can seal them off. We can log him. We can do all of these different things against him. And that guy not being – a great run defender also simultaneously limits the effectiveness of Jordan Davis, of Devontae Wyatt, of Jalen Carter, of, of Trayvon Walker, who will be on the opposite side. Okay. So you open a door there, but if you put him at star and you, you can play him, you know, let's say you give him, you know, six first down snaps a game, three to six first down snaps a game at star, you get Adam Anderson and his speed and his playmaking ability on the football field while also understanding that uh, that 
he's an above average to really good run defender when he can line up over the slot. A lot of times that guy playing star, you can see it pre-snap on first down, whether it was Mark Webb or, 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 or Walter Grant or Leonard, Lorenzo Carter, Georgia will line up with a guy inside the tackle on that spot, a four eye basically, or, or a three technique. And they'll have that guy basically keying on the end of, line, of the line of scrimmage. And if he sees a down block from the from the tackle and reads run, he's coming right now to force the run back inside. And, and that's how they play the position. So Adam Anderson, great in that role when he's not having to do hand-to-hand combat with an offensive tackle in the run game, but maybe not so much great when he is on a, on a tackle's nose and has to hold the point of attack. And and in that way, you you basically again, I, I don't want to keep saying this, but you add a layer to what you're capable of defensively, and it's never a bad thing to try and increase your capability defensively. And on top of all of that, with, with all of that said, um, it's still just spring practice, and this is just something they're they're looking at to try and get Adam Anderson maybe even a little bit more involved than they had planned on getting him involved. At the end of the day, we're talking about a couple practices without pads, as we said. And honestly, this is an audition for Adam Anderson. People are not talking enough about the fact that Aziz did play uh, over 350 snaps. None of the other guys, you know, crossed the 200 snap barrier. And people are really clamoring for for Adam to get all the playing time well again one he has not established that he can be a guy who plays 250 to 300 snaps over the course of the season that he can hold up there too you know there are guys who have been on the team who have wanted that many snaps and one Brenton Cox now at Florida he kind of got what he wanted and found out it's not as easy as it looks. And David Pollock mentioned that on the on the pro day. He talked about Brent Cox uh, basically running out of gas for, for Florida, talking about how it's not easy to play every snap. And, again, with the way the game is now with tempo, being on the field that long is just not easy, and it wears guys out. And, and Jermaine Johnson may well find that out himself at Florida State this upcoming season after he got – uh, about 185 snaps, you know, w- wasn't completely healthy last season. You know, now he's entered the transfer portal. He's at Florida State. He's going to find out, just as Britton Cox did, how, you know, it, it takes a toll on you if you're playing that many snaps, you know, a game, every game. And so for Adam Anderson, this is his audition, getting on the field more to see how he can hold up there. And look, I mean, Georgia still has depth. They still have guys – you know, Robert Bill has experience. When MJ Sherman, you know, comes back from his injury, he'll be able to help there as well. And obviously, Nolan Smith, big year for him. Georgia needs to find out what they have at the position, and this is how you do it, by putting Adam Anderson on the field more and basically giving him a stress test and see how he holds up over the course of spring football. Georgia has an in-house uh, example of that, Kip, uh, from, from the 2018 season. That's DeAndre Walker. DeAndre Walker had, as a as basically a role playing pass rusher in 2017, was was dominant. I, I want to say, I mean, he he was he was second on the team in sacks. I think he had five and a half or five, and then he was uh, a second on the team in tackles for a loss with 14 and a half. 
then you go to net to get to the next season. Well, the guy plays. I think I saw it a little while back. I looked it up a little while back. I think it was twice as many snaps as he played the year before. That netted him one and a half more sacks and four fewer or three fewer tackles for a loss. Okay, so it's not like. Hey, get him in there more, and he's going to produce a ton more. Well, I mean, his his stats may look better, but they probably look better because of volume. It's not necessarily because of effectiveness. And also, DeAndre Walker got hurt at the end of that, that, that season. And I'm not saying it's because he played more snaps, but that couldn't have helped. He sustained a growing injury there in the SEC championship game against Alabama, and that may have been the number one reason why Georgia lost that game. I mean, yeah, Kirby, folks want to get on Kirby for letting the air out of the ball and get on the offense for not scoring in the fourth quarter, but it was Georgia's inability to keep Jalen Hurts, another backup quarterback, in the pocket that game that, that allowed Alabama to get back in it after Georgia had two separate 14-point leads. Uh, we got one more thing we want to talk about for spring practice, but we're going to take a break first, and then we're going to jump into that and then talk about Pro Day. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, Kip, don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but just thought it was interesting enough that we needed to talk about it. Kirby Smart confirms Lavoisier Carroll, four-star running back in the 2021 class, early enrollee, getting snaps at cornerback. What do you think about that? They need help there, and he's outstanding athlete. I think for him this year at running back, I mean, that's a deep room. And so for spring football – uh, it's definitely his best chance of, you know, getting out there and, and getting competition against, you know, guys that are on the two deep. Uh, now it's obviously off side of the ball is, is what he may have anticipated, but, you know, he was an athlete coming out of high school that a lot of people thought, you know, he'd, he'd make a hell of a safety. Some people thought he might be better at the position. So getting him a chance to get out there and, and get some experience at cornerback against Georgia's wide receiver group, a very, very talented wide receiver group, can only help him in that aspect as far as just showing if that could be a long-term future for him. I mean, he, he running back is a position where I will say if there is a position where you can just kind of step in and, and, and kind of jump right in other than really like pass pro, running back is a position that, you know, he, he'll be able to – it comes naturally. He'll be able to get right back into it if that is where his long-term future is. Cornerback, that, that's something where you need as many snaps as possible. So this is the perfect time for that. Now, obviously, Georgia, until they find, you know, help in the transfer portal, that is a position 
room that could use all the help it can get. And there are some guys there that are talented, that have promise, highly recruited, but it's definitely lacking in experience. So I think it's, if there's one thing I'm thinking about with Lavoisier Carroll, it's, it's opportunity. This is an opportunity for him to step into a, a room where he doesn't have a lot of experience, but again, the room doesn't have a lot of actual game experience. So it's his best opportunity to play snaps this season, in my opinion. Uh, at running back, I mean, he's looking, you know, unless there's multiple injuries, you know, he's looking at a redshirt year and, you know, even next year. I mean, the snaps are, it's going to be highly competitive at that position. Cornerback, if, if, if he looks good out there, he might not get in the two deep this year, but he might go into spring next year with an opportunity to to play a pivotal role in year two. So I wouldn't take anything else from it other than the fact that he's an outstanding athlete. Kirby Spartan knew that. That's why they recruited him. And they are giving him an opportunity to see the field earlier than he may do at running back. Your top five leading rushers are back. Um, if you're looking at this like a metal stand, uh, Georgia's top five cornerbacks are not back. Their top five cornerbacks are gone. So that's that's kind of where you you know really begin in this thing. But also, man, coaches are always looking for the natural. They're always looking for that guy who just kind of takes to a position like a duck to water. You know, uh, in my personal life, um, very good example of this. Uh, my wife and I about. Two almost two years ago, we took a kid in that she taught in the first grade, and uh, he was he was uh, 15 at the time. Okay, and we took him into our home because he had some stuff going on um, at his home, and 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 we've enjoyed every minute minute of it. We're glad to have him. He's a big kid. He's a strong kid. He, he's he's getting to the point where he wanted to try and go out for workouts. He's a junior in high school now. So he starts going out for football workouts. Well, the track coach sees him, sees he's a big kid, sees that he's strong, sees that he's pushing around some weight, and is like, hey, come throw the shot put. Come throw the discus. Now, I say that to illustrate this. That coach asked him to do that when he's never done it before because maybe he's just kind of good at it. Maybe he just – maybe he's a quick study on it. Maybe it's – you know, there's no harm in trying it out. And and that's that's the way I see this Lavoisier Carroll thing. Maybe the kid's got DB instincts he didn't know he had because he's been focused on running back. You know, Kirby Smart brought up a really good example or made a really good comment about this when he when he talked about Lavoisier. And he said, I can't tell you how many running backs that I've recruited or have coached for teams that I've, I've, uh, I've uh, you know, played for teams that I coached on that told me down the line, hey, I wish I'd have tried out cornerback. I mean, go look at the average salary for an NFL cornerback and then compare it to the average salary for an NFL running back. Also look at how many cornerbacks are carried on an NFL roster as opposed to the amount of running backs carried on an NFL roster. And then look at how long cornerbacks play in the NFL as opposed to how running backs play in the NFL. These are all points that Kirby Smart made, but I'm just kind of reiterating them. It's it's kind of staggering. And so if you're Lavoisier Carroll, you're like, hey, this might be my best chance to get off on the field. If you're Jamil Adai, Jamal Adai, or if you're Kirby Smart, hey, maybe this cat may be natural at this. Maybe he's good at it. Maybe he's got some really good instincts. Maybe he needs a spring or, or maybe even a season of working out at this position. And then Georgia knows next December, knowing that Zamir White and James Cook are likely on their way out, all right, 
you know, his growth probably didn't stun it a whole lot. Like Kip said, the running back position, you know, fairly, fairly, you know, something you're, you either have or you don't in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, obviously Lavoisier Carroll was good enough that Georgia took him as the only running back in this class. Uh, but but they know they'll know next December whether or not he's going to spend spring of 2022 at cornerback or running back, and and it'll be based on what they need and based on how he looked and how he developed at that spot. I, I think it's a really good move, and I think it's a really good time for it, and I think it makes a lot of sense uh, to to try it out. Uh, all right, Kip, pro day, man, pro day. Uh, I, I actually had a pretty good time watching it. I was really surprised that we were able to get some. Not not necessarily verified times, but where you was able to hear some buzz. I want to know who. I, we'll get into a secondary guy, but give me one guy. Who is your biggest winner from from Pro Day? Monty Rice. I I just think that no one really talked about Monty Rice, what he might do in testing numbers. I think that he's always just been kind of considered a gamer, and. He's been doing the draft diary with us at Dogs 24-7 each week. I mean, he kind of sounded like it as well. Like, that's not really my thing. I let the film speak for myself. And, you know, normally, you know, that kind of line of thinking, while, I mean, it's it's often true, it's usually by guys who know they're, they're not going to test very well. And I think that when you look at the fact that Monty Rice went out there and threw down on a, a 4-5-7 and a 4-6, uh, I think that – he helped himself a lot. Uh, you know, obviously there were, there were more eye popping times. If you know, you're talking about Aziz or, or Eric Stokes, but we already knew, you know, that the, those guys are guys that have been talked about in the first round and, and, you know, possibly the second round for, uh, for, for Stokes. Monty is a guy that it, we haven't really pinned down exactly where he might go in the draft. And if he was a guy that was, you know, mid fourth round, may you know maybe even fifth round right now. I think now you're getting into that third round. You know, if one team likes him at the end of the second round, you know he could be a guy that that goes that early now, just because he's already shown on film that he's an outstanding inside linebacker. You know, a three year starter basically when healthy, and so he's the one who needed you know good measurables to show that he can you know be an NFL starter. And I just think that the, those 40 times helped him out tremendously. And you could kind of tell just from how he was, you know, in the interviews from what I saw that he knew he had a really good day. And so I think that that overall, as far as just stock up, I got to go with Monty Rice because I just think that the other guys, they, they were, their arrow was already pointed up before, before Georgia's pro day. Yeah, I would say Monty Rice too. And, and not just because of the 40 time, but because he looked – great like he drill work he looked quick he also like he's in the best shape of his life I mean you could tell he's put in the work I think it was a wise decision for him to skip uh the peach bowl and and to get his foot right you know he was hurt most of the 2020 season um and and, and wasn't even practicing on Monday and Tuesday every week it wasn't really dialing into practice until Wednesday and Thursday so he could get himself ready to help out on Saturdays so he um I think he probably helped himself the most he had the most to gain anyway because you're looking at Aziz Ojolari and you know, a lot of people have him as a top 30, top 25 prospect anyway. And, you know, there's just not as much room to rise at that point. He would be my secondary guy, Kip. And and, and I would I would be maybe a little, little surprised if he probably wasn't your second guy too because 
turning in a low four six time. Um, you know, you look at you, you look at Von Miller. Okay, and and you know I'm a Broncos fan, and I I loved I've loved watching Von Miller play for a long time, and you know you look at Aziz Ojolari and you look at Von Miller's uh, uh, and how they come out uh, of college, um, you know Aziz is is heavier and just a little bit slower in terms of a forty time, um, incredible length. Um, you look at his run and contact toughness. It's there. Kirby Smart just kind of raved about it when he spoke with us afterward. I mean, I, I think that that he's he just he just has all the all the makings of a guy that's about to spend a long time in the NFL. I mean, he just he just really does because uh, I think he's going to rush the passer really well. Maybe not at an elite level, but I think he can be a ten to twelve sack a year type guy as long as he stays healthy, be a really solid, strong run defender and be the kind of guy that every time it, you know, you look at, you look and it's, it's contract time for him that there are no shortage of suitors that, that he's the kind of guy that they're going to need on their football team. And, um, you know, not only that, but great kid, great demeanor, um, you know, big time football player. He's not an athlete trying to play football. He's a football player who's, who just happens to be a phenomenal athlete. So I think he helped himself out a lot too. Who would be your second guy? I mean, it's, it's definitely Aziz. I think that coming in, Aziz already had, you know, the film of being the SEC's top pass rusher from this last season, but there were, you know, some people had question marks about his size and some people had question marks, even on our own message board, we had some pretty prominent posters who thought Aziz wasn't going to run well. That wasn't going to be his strength. And the, the times, I mean, those are the, there's nothing wrong with four, six, six, four, six, two, whatever the, uh, I guess there were, aren't any official official times, but whatever, whatever people got him at, you know, it was, it was sub four, seven and doing 26 reps on the bench press. I mean, that's, that's, 28 actually 28 oh, 28 28 10 7 broad jump i believe you know he he checked all the boxes there i think he's going to be the first georgia player selected obviously the broadcast i mean it was very aziz heavy and he is you know georgia's featured draft prospect you know the question mark teams had is you know, is he an Adam Anderson type player at the next level? Is he a guy that you can only just designate as a pass rusher? Or, or is he an all-around player that, you know, can play in space, can defend the run? And, you know, I think that he answered a lot of questions. He looked really fluid out there in the drills. And I, I think that teams are obviously going to do their homework because they're investing millions of dollars in these guys and they're putting their own jobs on the line. I think he was a guy that was probably in that, you know, 22 to 25 range in the draft heading in. And I think now it's, it's, is he going to crack the top 20? You know, I think in that 16 to 20 range, you know, he could, that could definitely be a possibility for him. And I mean, for him personally, that we're talking about a guy who could be set to gain millions of dollars from that guaranteed money right there. So, you know, as far as actual money gained, I think, Aziz may, you know, be the top guy coming out of this because if you move up five spots in the draft, you're adding a lot of coin uh, to to the bank account there. So I, I I think he had an outstanding day and overall basically showed that uh, Georgia is going to continue to produce big time, you know, edge edge defenders for the NFL. 
the difference between getting taken 22 overall and 16, 17, 18 overall is the amount of money most of us would, would, you know, that difference, we could just take it and retire. I could probably take it, put it in the bank, invest it wisely or, or savings or whatever, and uh, maybe live off the interest. I mean, it's, it's a lot of money. So um, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I got a question for you, Kip. Did Richard LeCount look healthy for you? The two you, sorry. I honestly did not think he was going to work out at Georgia's Pro Day. I was kind of surprised. I would say that he did not look to be back to 100%. And I'm not, I mean, it's unfortunate. I know that he had a lot that he had to prove. And this, this was kind of one of those last opportunities, but it looked like he was, you know, still trying to get back to where, where he was before. And if that's where you know you are, you know, in my opinion, I would have just, you know, told my agent, hey, you know, let's set something else up at somebody else's pro day down the road or let's do, you know, personal videos, workout videos on my own social media. It, it did not look like the ritual account that we've seen that just attacks the football. And it, it definitely, if we're talking about, you know, stock up, stock down, I can't say that Richard did anything to help his case at George's pro day. And it just was a, you know, an, an error on his, on his part and his agent's part for him to be out there when I think it was pretty clear that he was not back to where he was before. Yeah, he also revealed after that that there was a major foot injury involved in that whole accident. I mean, we, we when, when we reported on it, it was concussion and rib injuries, but he also had a major foot injury that he had to kind of get over. I think that's probably kept him off the field more than anything. And if you've ever been, you know, really, if you've ever injured your foot, significantly and had to be inactive i mean these guys aren't inactive at all anymore when they send them home in may for a couple weeks they tell them hey stay active keep working this cat right here was was completely inactive for at least two or three weeks because of those ribs because of that concussion because of that foot and and probably more than that probably inactive for a month or so and that that means a lot when you're when you're talking about the grind that they're put through on pro day i don't think he helped himself either i, I do like kind of what we're hearing out of guys like daniel jeremiah and bucky brooks um, I, I read their comments on Richard LeCount that the tape's going to mean a lot, that the teams are going to understand kind of his situation. And, um, you know, you hope for a kid like Richard uh, that, that, he, that, that he benefits from, from folks giving him the – that he benefits from the doubt there, you know, that, that, that he benefits from, you know, hey, we don't think he was completely healthy at pro day. Uh, you know, to go out there, um, you know, and jump, what was it, 32 inches um, – he ran a sub four eight, but was in the high four sevens. I think he's probably in a four in the four six range. Uh, you know, at, you know he plays. I've, I've always felt a little faster. Um, he's not the biggest guy in the world. I saw him as a guy um, almost similar to Jake Fromm in some ways as an NFL draft prospect. That I thought that the further the pros the the process went on, the more he would get dinged because he's not an elite measurable athlete. He's just a phenomenal football player. Um, but yeah, I don't think he helped himself much either. I don't think he looked healthy. I thought he, you know, just hadn't had time to get back in the proper shape. And, uh, he was able, I think to, to, 
uh, look, you know, look pretty good in terms of ball skills. I mean, he's always been, you know, great in that area. And, and I thought the drill work looked pretty good for him, but just didn't test well. And, and I'm interested to see how bad that, that ends up hurting him. I, you know, I, I see a guy on film for the past couple of years that, um, if I'm an NFL team and I've got a chance to snatch him up in the late fourth, fifth, sixth round or whatever, I'm probably going to take that opportunity just because you know um, just how good of a football player he is. But, hey, there are a lot of them in every draft, and and that's just kind of what makes this such, you know, kind of uh, rarefied air for a football player. Very few, very relatively few get an opportunity to kind of uh, get drafted and, and do that. That's all we've got, folks, for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. We'll be back with you next week to talk more spring practice. George is going to put the pads on in one day. And, uh, and you know, if you're able to be around that area and, and get a little peek, uh, do it and shoot us a DM and let us know what's going on out there. We'll, we'll try to have some eyes out there for you. But for this episode, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. He's Kip Adams from the same place. And you all take it easy. <laughs>